The Athletic. Hello everyone and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. I am of course your host Tony Jameson and as always I'm joined by RDF Tactics and producer Steve. On today's show we're going to be talking to Sports Interactive's Nick Madden who's going to be explaining what changes we can expect to see in the match engine in Football Manager 23. We welcome broadcaster, Aston Villa fan and football manager enthusiast Dan Bardell to the show. He's going to be giving us a bit of an insight as to what it will be like starting a save with Aston Villa. And as always, we respond to your letters that you've lovingly sent our way. So that's the match plan. Opposition instructions have been set. Pump fists. Let's give the fans something to cheer. So the FM23 beta is out in the wild and the biggest reaction so far has been around the souped up match engine. So we thought we'd speak to the lead engineer of said engine. It's Nick Madden, everyone. How you doing, Tony? I, I just proclaim if it, if, if it was me programming the engine, you wouldn't have such a good match uh, engine. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we'll get to that in a minute. Um, we'll, we'll obviously, uh, loyal, loyal listeners will, of course, will, will know Nick. Uh, Nick, you've been on several times now. I believe you've definitely got keys to the executive bathroom. I'm not sure whether you're three times, four times. You, you're definitely Mount Rushmore. Is that right? I hope so, yeah. I'm a proper friend of the show and listener of the show. And yeah, love love the new format as well <laughs> oh you know how to butter us up we like that so um nick can you for the lovely listeners describe what your job title is and what that means in terms of your day-to-day work at si yeah so i'm the senior producer of the match engine team i primarily focus on leading the engineers that work on the ai so all of the player decisions team decisions ai manager decisions the animations and physics so our animation engine as well as um, also liaise with our integrated match QA team. So yeah, there's a, I say a good sized team. We've certainly grown over the last few years of me being producer, but yeah, I lead the team who work on the lovely match engine that our fans get to get to love and play and consume for all the versions of FM, including FM23. Yeah, I was going to say, and all the versions indeed. There is so many this year as well. So you've got quite a task on yet. Now, Last year, of course, FM22, that brought us a completely new match engine. And again, that was very, very exciting and we all loved it. FM23's kind of Mark II. So what's changed? So, yeah, FM22's match engine was, for us, really, really positive, well-received, um, had a few updates during the year and gave us a solid foundation to build upon for FM23. And we've been working on the latest match engine for a really long time trying to make sure that we could improve it in so many various ways. So the main, I guess, headline piece for this year is essentially improving defensive play, improving the defensive mentalities, improving the way players defend, teams defend, the new instructions that we've um, added to the out-of-possession instructions. So, you know, whether you want your, your defensive line to sort of step up a bit more or drop off a bit more, the pressing traps the cross engagement. So we focused heavily in this area, but of course, by making the defense 
stronger, we have to also make the attack just as strong to combat that that sort of low block and play around it or play through it. I guess we also got a bit of a free feature that people have um, have tokened on the community of the chaos factor. <laughs> it is because now first touches are much more realistic. First touches are improved so much and also failed first touches. And that has gave us a real dynamism to the match engine in that feeling of chaos because the interceptions are better, the blocks are better. Players are no longer taking that perfect first touch and playing that perfect pass. So we're seeing that, especially in that risk of players want to play through the middle, but they can't always. That's, again, like we want to improve that defensive play, so we want to sort of shut that up. Defensive, new instructions, attacking, and my overall favourite this year is our AI managers. We've tried to make our AI managers stronger, more informed. They sort of use them under the hood. They use expected score themselves, so they can make changes in a more informed manner during the game. Obviously, the AI managers before that did make good choices, but we knew we could make it better, and we've just it's the smartest AI within the match engine that we've ever had in the Football Manager series. And it is, we really look at every sort of situation and when can the manager almost go up the gears and go down the gears? When can they go a bit more of an attacking mentality? How do they even start the match? When can they go defensive? When they take a lead, what is our data telling us? And what does our we want to try and replicate you know real life managers and how they play so you know the data is so important and we want to try and make them both realistic and also a bit more <laughs> challenging to play nice yeah i've got an, i've actually got a save going it's a barcelona bit of an easy beta save for me is it beta or a beta beta <laughs> better i don't know <laughs> the game is definitely better yeah, <laughs> the game is definitely better but yeah i'm i'm trying to play this possession based football and uh ancelotti for some reason, <laughs> it's just impossible to be. He is definitely smarter than me on the match engine. But like, yeah, you've mentioned the first touches and I'm trying to play possession football. And I've noticed, for the example, I've got left back. His first touch is about 11, 10, and it's not perfect. <laughs> it's not perfect. So possession-based football, it's, it's kind of more difficult to achieve in the match engine. But what else is more difficult to achieve? So for an example, a possession-based tactic is going to be more difficult to achieve now especially with the loose touches, you can get caught in a break. But is there anything else that you could tell us? I guess also the way the, the AI managers utilise the instructions that like you as human managers, you have. Yeah. So they'll be sort of using that press inside, that sort of trap inside and almost like press yeah. outside. And they'll be using that depending on what different formations they come up against. I think yeah. as well, because we've worked so hard on our AI managers, we have... I guess streamlines the what possible formations that they can use, and as you may have noticed as well, a lot of our AI managers will use a formation that has at least one or two pivots. I'm a big lover yes. of the pivots, also a big friend yes. friends fan as well. So that's a good good catchphrase right there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, like um, it is about that that sort of that solid base, the tactical structure, and um, something that we really have worked hard on this year is is that in every formation. So whether it be you're playing with a back three, you may need still need a single or double pivot depending on your formation, or your your wing backs may need to press higher and almost to gauge higher so that then the yeah. other four defenders can almost loop round like they're a back four so we worked so hard on those I guess really really small details 
but I, yeah. you are seeing the sum of all of its parts. Like for us, that's maybe we have to go to that minute detail because it has to be context specific, formation specific, player specific, player role specific, attributes specific. Like yes. we have to touch upon everything like that. And yeah, and at least I know people are a bit worried that four two three one now has two like DMs to a double pivot, but don't don't worry because the DMs will position themselves a little bit higher if there's no centre midfielder. They'll still play like DMs, of course, but they'll position themselves a little bit higher. And same with the centre midfielders. If there's no DM behind them, they will play a little bit deeper. But of course, we want to encourage that pivot play because that's going to be so fundamental for our AI managers. Mm, I think the thing that I've noticed in the the little bit of time I've played on on the beta itself here is you've got to be like being passive in terms of just watching the match and just like sort of you can't just no longer just <laughs> click continue anymore it certainly feels like that you get caught out that match momentum shift can do you so badly like i've been <laughs> guilty of that so many times so i guess that that sort of enhanced ai manager i mean obviously from my own perspective slightly annoyed there nick i mean come on you're making this game hard enough don't make it harder this isn't fair and I guess the other question, but it's more of a more of a question that's probably just for me, really. Why are my players stupid? Is it is it my players or is it me? <laughs> it's definitely not you. It's definitely not the players. But no, we've, it's me, it, isn't it? It's completely it, me. No, it, it, in, in reality, like, like I think that that is exactly sort of what we want. We don't want that passive experience. So like we want you to mm. engage. We want you to up the mentality. We want you to feel like your formation changes are making. They're working, or like the you're changing one instruction. You w- want to feel like you are. You want to feel like you're smart as a manager, but you also yeah. you have to fail to become better as a manager. Like, and that's sort of what we want to take from this game. And we d- like. I just don't want people to just log in a tactic, set it as positive football, and just play possessive football, and then just watch the ninety minutes. Yeah. Like that's that's r- not really what football managers about. It is about having that yeah. tactical battle with the um, the opposition manager. <laughs> um, and now yeah, I think PVP this year is going to be really really interesting. I'm so looking forward to watching watching that. more content, especially from you guys online and 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 you know the whole community <laughs> to see what then happens in those scenarios because yeah, yeah the. It, it just changes the dynamic. You have more, um, you have more team instructions to play with, and you also the mentalities are different. So you've got to react to those as well. I'm with you on there because obviously I share I share tactics, and already like I've only done two this season, and already there's a big difference. So last year, it was that kind of one tactic is good for you to go, and then you should get good enough results anyway. This year. I've had to give people at least two, three different versions. There's always the main version, then there's the away version, then there's the mid-block version. And I feel, yeah, I enjoy that because I enjoy the smart AI. It gets you to work your brain a little bit. And like you said as well, it, my save is kind of happening in the backward. It's ha- backwards. So first season, we won the league. Everything was all nice, all cushy. We're going into the second season with a smile on our face and everything is just going wrong. <laughs> so now we're just kind of like changing things, changing things. One thing. That I have noticed when I was changing my tactics, I've changed my central midfielder to a Mazzala, and I've noticed this Mazzala is now overlapping my inverted winger, which I believe is something new because I've never seen that before. Is there any other player improvements in roles that you can tell us about? For example, a winger as well, staying wider, absolutely love that. 
absolutely love that stretching defences. Yeah, oh, oh, you you just called on two like of the big changes. And, and <laughs> what, that's what I big no, changes. they are. I think that, that again, it's this, it's it's big changes for for the community, and it's like it's big changes for us yeah. in the sense that we look at every role every year, and we're like, okay, is that playing the way the modern role would play and we try and tie it to yeah. a, a single player and yeah the yeah the wingers staying wide um center midfielder on attack duty was obviously quite a, a phenomenon last year but we've changed all attack attacking duties in the way they um, actually position themselves because we needed to yeah. I guess have that more midfield balance when we knew we were going to have either a single pivot or a double pivot so if you notice in a midfield yeah, yeah. three sometimes one of your midfielders I'd be positioned slightly higher than the other. Say if you're playing like a one DM, yeah, two CM, yeah. one they will actually be quite lopsided, and um, and those are and that isn't necessarily just role specific. It's also position specific. But yeah, um, behaviors as well. Yeah, yeah but yeah, the inverted wing backs who changed this year, um, of centre midfielders, Mazalas, wingers, inverted wingers, inside forwards. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, everything gets a, a fresh lick of paint every year. Um, even the sweeper keeper attack, yeah. like, and but yeah, it's um, it's it's just those I guess um, really important details, and that that's what we always yes. try and focus on every year is that important. Like, it's important for everybody yeah. to feel like it's a new game, and exactly, the new yeah. um, we iterate upon the same match engine and build upon it and continue. So. We've gone through many versions of this cycle and our testing team has seen many <laughs> versions of it. Some, we've made the defence too good and there's no goals in games. Like there's literally 1.5 goals per game. And sometimes we've made the attacking then too strong and there's been three yeah. or four goals per game. And yeah, so we work on the balance to make sure that then the simulation world is right. But you cannot improve defending without improving attacking. You cannot improve passing without improving interceptions. You cannot improve That's shooting one, yeah. without mm. neglecting your goalkeepers. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I say that as well. I try and keep that an open mind. It's obviously people know me. I have my frustrations, and I always tell people, always tell people, my frustrations only come from losing. I'm a very, very bad, <laughs> very bad loser. <laughs> but I, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. So I mean, it all it all sounds. Amazing! Don't get me wrong; it sounds it sounds fantastic, but it's it sounds very all encompassing. Now, of course, some of our listeners prefer things a bit lighter. They they're, they're quite casual. Possibly they'll just turn up and, and plug in. Like, would would yeah. I'm presuming the default formations and all that sort of stuff will still be fine. I mean, you're not going to get massively overawed. You don't have to have a you know sort of sports science diploma to to, to play. Definitely <laughs> not. Like the tactical styles were were, were created specifically for that first time user experience and for the people who mm. didn't really want to engage with tactics i see football manager just as a game as, as a fan is really you get your squad you sign players you train players you pick your tactics and you rinse and repeat you play your match and everything is that match day and so that's your sort of core loop and tactics is really important but sometimes simple is better sometimes just taking it the tactical style and just changing it a little bit or almost just yeah. up and dialing up and down the mentalities is totally fine. And that is how some, a lot of actually, a lot of our player base do enjoy that. And a lot of our player base also do just click on the tactical style and take that and move with it. I, as a fan, was surprised. And then me working on it and seeing the numbers and going, wow, okay. So obviously, people must <laughs> enjoy the tactical styles and see a sense of they work and they are doing what like we're trying to yeah. get them to do. And I think even 
we, we noticed that there wasn't as many people using the defensive styles um, in previous games. And people can not use something because either they don't like it or it's not effective. I have a feeling not a lot of people love to play defensive football like me. And yeah. people want to play pretty football. So I understand that. But I also think that if we make it more effective, would more people use it? And that's what I'll be interested to see over the life cycle of um, Football Manager 23. Us making the low block better and stronger and yeah. almost like you can consume like consume the pressure, maybe offer some long shots, yes. but not not feel like it's a wave and a wave and a wave of attack, which is what I felt like it was in previous iterations of the game. Um, and the, the AI or the attacking team were going to break you down sooner or later because it was just constant waves. Whereas this year... The, the the counter-attacking has been potent and we've worked on how players move in that counter-attack Constantly, and when yeah. a counter-attack's triggered because not every situation is a counter-attacking situation. So it's about context and hopefully yeah, the people can just use the sort of counter-attacking fluid, I think it's fluid counter-attack as a style and they can use it and, it and they enjoy it, yeah. Well, you're speaking to a pragmatic manager as well, Nick, so I'm over the moon that uh, <laughs> the defensive football is the way forward, potentially, on this match engine, or at least is now a, a, another another option. Um, so I guess, obviously, full-fat version of FM23 is due out, of course, on the 8th of November, just in case some of our listeners weren't aware. How is everyone in the studio feeling about it? I mean, I'm guessing this is like the most exciting, busy, frantic, sometimes possible time of year in the studio? Yeah, it's definitely the the busiest time of year because people are both really excited that the game goes out, but also you're very worried that the game is going out because you've worked on it for so long and not everybody's seen it. And almost you get to that point where you're so excited for it to go out but you're so like nervous. It's that nervous positive energy that comes with any release and you cannot play Football Manager without playing a match. So in our team... Our work is showcased for everybody. Everybody plays matches. And we've just seen this weekend, nearly 3 million matches have been played. We cannot do that over a life cycle of our game. And yet, straight away in one weekend. So we people know. And um, yeah, I've been really, really... Um, I, I felt really like warm inside that actually the people love the match engine. They've, they've been enjoying it. Of course, there's areas we can improve. It's never finished. That's the one thing I always tell the <laughs> tell the team. It's never finished. There's always something we can improve. There's this, it's, we're trying to re- create a real simulation of football. We are always going to get areas where we need to improve. Nick Madden from Sports Interactive, thank you as always. Thank you. You're listening to the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. On The Athletic, you can read the fine penmanship of Dermot Corrigan... Daniel Taylor, Carl Anker, and many more. How do you become a subscriber? Visit theathletic.com forward slash FM pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash FM pod. And if you've never subscribed before, you can join up for six months for six quid. It's that simple. Do it today. So we've got a new feature for you all and it's called New Vacancy and it revolves around clubs who in real life are rumoured to have a new vacancy coming up soon 
They maybe have a job free already or have just appointed a new manager. Obviously, much of this is going to depend upon the vagaries of when we record this segment and when the chaotic world of modern football swirls into a spell of sackings. And this week is a prime example of that. At the start of last week, Steven Gerrard was under a load of pressure at Aston Villa. Things weren't going well. Fast forward to Thursday, a defeat against Fulham, and he's out of a job. Of course, Villa then go and win 4-0 against Brentford on Sunday. And on Tuesday morning, Unai Emery is announced as the new manager of Aston Villa. So to tell us a bit more about managing the villains on FM23, broadcaster, and more importantly... Villa fan, Dan Bardell. Dan, welcome to the Football Manager Show. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Better than I was this time last week. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on this week and not last week when football was thoroughly depressing me. <laughs> oh, join the club. It's um, It's been a bit of a strange week, hasn't it? We always say it's a strange week in football, but at Villa, it's definitely been a strange week. So if we were to do this as a Football Manager save... It might be quite a popular one at the minute, obviously with the change of, of current manager. Dan, talk us through what you know about the club, like players to look out for, potential gaps maybe, finances, that sort of stuff. I mean, I guess maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Do you manage as Villa yourself when you play football manager or do you step away from it and go, no, 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 that's not for me? I find it difficult to be the team that I support on football <laughs> manager. For some, reason, for some reason, there's something in my head that I find it really difficult to sell players, to, to let players go that are currently playing yeah. for the football club that I support. I've got, so I've got a real problem with it. I usually do it when football man, like the last, like, so football manager 22 is coming, coming to an end now. I might have, have a go now and just have a bit of a, a, a loose mess around because I take the game so seriously gen- generally. I really <laughs> struggle to, to be my own team, although because we were so bad, I think if Steven Gerrard has still been in charge, I think I may have started a save with, with Villa this time around when Football Manager 23 has come out. But now, now Unai Emre is there, I'll probably steer clear of Villa. But, you know, there's a there's a decent setup there. We, we were saying before we came on, you know, the thir- £30 million transfer budget at Villa was a pleasant surprise. They, On the face of it, they didn't actually spend that much in the summer, so that's probably reasonable that yeah. there would be that money there. The thing, I, I logged on last night onto FM23 and, and, and had a little look. At, uh, the big problem for Villa under Gerrard has been rigidness of system and, and him not wanting to move away from 4-3-3 and not not being able to to find a, a settled front three, if, if you like, because Villa basically have got no wingers. Leon Bailey is the only natural winger. In that yeah. side, I know Ollie Watkins played wide on Saturday, but he he's more of a more of a striker. Because Villa have got no wide players, so I think that hamstrings you a little bit in in football manager terms. So I, I honestly would look at it and say Villa's best formation to play in real life would be four two three one, but I'd, I'd maybe a, a five three two might work better on football manager to be honest. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, practicing with a four four two. I'm not going to lie, I went straight old school. <laughs> that's it, right? No, that's it. You're right. We don't we don't have anyone who who can who can play a while. I've I've sort of mixed it with with Buendia on the right as as a winger on attack, and then I've got Bailey on a as a wide midfielder and sort of switch them around. Sometimes Coutinho I've got like as a wide playmaker, yeah. but. You're right. Like there's, it's it's that lack of creativity, isn't it? We've not been scoring goals for a while up front. Of course, you know you've got Danny Ings who can still uh, bag him in, and obviously Ollie Watkins. And then um, with regards to to the youth, I mean, is there anyone that we need to look out in the uh, in the academy? Any wonder kids? I know we lost a good one in uh, in Chuck Wimaker to to Chelsea over the summer, but anyone else in there who's uh, who's worth keeping an eye out for? 
He had a look last night, and you know, in real life as well, these players, you know, Josh Feeney, very highly rated, has captained England at a lot of youth levels. I think I was at some an event the other night actually that, that he was at, and he he could actually end up playing playing for Scotland. I know John McGinn's trying to persuade him to, to change his allegiances to Scotland <laughs> at the moment, so he's a he's I think he's six foot four, six foot five. You know, he's a he's a big centre back, promising centre back coming through. Chuck Wemeka was obviously a, a, huge, a huge loss in, in real life and in, fo- in football manager terms because he's going to go on and, and be a good player. In, you know, he, he he did what he did in the summer for the England under-19s. I, th- I think it was, and he was a big part of that. Tim Robenham, who's on loan at QPR in real life and in the game. Obviously, you know, he's six foot two. I think big physical central mm-hmm. midfielder. I think he's someone that you can look at in football manager terms. I think a year on loan at QPR and uh, Michael Beale, who's who's very highly rated in the game and very highly rated in, in real life. I think you look to the future and him coming back the season after, I think that would be something that you could be excited about if you're managing Villa in the game. And Cameron Archer as a striker, if, if you are going to play two up front, I imagine he would see football and, and develop. He, he scored goals at... Every level he's played at over over the last year or so, really on loan at Preston, had had a good time, has scored goals for the England under twenty one. So they're they're probably the main ones from a youngster point of view. Nice. Now, if you had to use four players to build around your team, Dan, who would you who would you be saying they're your, your key picks right now? The goalkeeper is a is a no brainer. Emmy Martinez, <laughs> great great in the game, great great in real life. Probably Villa's only genuine world class player. I, I think Argentina have got a, a massive shout. Of, of winning the World Cup at Christmas, which still doesn't sound right. You know, he's play, he's playing with the likes of the likes of Messi, and he's a big part of that Argentina team now. So he's got on a relatively yeah. long contract, I think, as well. He only signed a new contract a year ago. So Emi Martinez is a is an obvious first pick. Second one, probably probably Tyro Mings. I know people are you either rate him or, or you don't, but for me, Aston Villa, I I absolutely love him. And in the game, I just think having a left footed centre back, it offers you more flexibility in what you want to do in Football Manager. And also, I think he would enable you to play three at the back if you wanted to. And play, I, I like playing with the three at the back and playing with those wide centre backs. Yeah. And I think if you look at Mings's physical stats, I think he's dribbling thirteen. I think Mings is capable of bringing the ball out and being effective in a back three. Then probably probably Bubakar. Kamara, he was very, very highly rated in the, in the last game. He was someone that I always used to try and pick up on a, on a free in my sides. Or though I will say, I had him for Leicester, and I never managed to get him going for some reason. Did, didn't work out <laughs> at all. I don't know. I think I was trying to play him as a centre back though, and he's he's more of a yeah. defensive midfielder. So, so probably him as well. Yes, he's on big wages, as you said, but they picked him up as, on a free, and he's he's a France international, and he's he's still only young. I think he's still only twenty two, and then pr- probably Ollie Watkins, just because. Put me personally, a football manager, I like to play with the pressing forward. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. pressing forward. Yeah. I love it as well. But you, you, you kind of spoke about it. You kind of mentioned why you would go to a 5-3-2. But, so who would you have as your wide centre-backs in your three-out-the-back system? Who would you have in your midfield? It's funny you actually mentioned about trying to use Kamara as a centre-back because I had a Villa save before as well. And it's like, you're kind of stuck in two minds. Is he a midfielder, holding midfielder? Mm. Or is he a defender? And you kind yeah. of try and use both, but it's probably best, yeah, just to stick with one. But in your 5-3-2 or your 3-5-2, what would be the team? What would be the team? So, so it's a very good question. I think I'd have to be delving into the transfer market a little bit. Ideally, yeah. you want, you'd want to play a 5-2-3, I think, if you were if you were playing three at the back. Three at the back. But Villa just yeah. haven't got those wide players. They, they came close to signing Ishmael Asar, who I think probably yeah, a lot of people who play as Villa in the game. With that 30 million transfer budget, you can probably make something work to get him in. And then you've suddenly got him and Bailey as wide players. And that transforms you. Another yeah. worry, and then this would be another reason why I'd probably start with three at the back with Villa in Football Manager 23, 
is their big summer signing, Diego Carlos, who's injured for eight, nine months at the start oh, of the game. Yeah. So you look at the centre-back option options there in Mings, Concer, Chambers and Bednarek. In football managers, I'm just talking football manager here, I don't think there's a, a strong two, <laughs> a strong enough two there to play. And I think Luca Dean and Matty Cash are quite highly rated in the, in the game as well. So I think them two yeah, as, yeah. as wing-backs would work quite well. But then if anything happened to them, you've got 37-year-old Ashley Young, who's been Villa's best player so far this season in real life. But you haven't got much depth, so that that would be a concern. But you just, I think you'd have to find a way to try and get Ings, Ings and Watkins playing up front together in Football Manager because I don't think I don't think there'd be enough goals. So that that's probably why I'd go. It's more of a five, five two, one two. So I'd have you'd have Buendia and Coutinho or Coutinho, sorry, playing yeah. off the two strikers. But Coutinho's stats when I had a look at them yesterday, that concerned me in Football Manager. That is. You've kind of mentioned it before, or you kind of spoke about it, where you would, where you, what you think is the weakest squad. So. I've given you a perfect winger. I've given you a perfect winger. You still got your 30 million. You still got your 30 million, but you've got you've got one option. You've only got one signing to make. I've given you your winger. Where are you going to spend that 30 million? Is it in midfield or is it at the back? Probably because of that injury, probably at the back, I'd I'd want to get another another centre back. In real life, I'd desperately want Villa to sign a, an, another number eight, but I would go for <laughs> I'd probably, I suppose Den Donker's there as well. He, he can play centre back, and he's played in the back three yeah. before in in real life. Or I sometimes forget that Den Donker's signed for Villa, although he was very good on Sunday yeah. against Brentford. So I suppose he gives you another option at centre back. But in football manager terms, I'd probably want another centre back to play next to Mings because then I could play, I could play four at the back instead instead of yeah. instead of the three. I think that's probably where I'd go. But some of the like one of the my go to centre backs over the last last probably couple of games now, and I'm going to absolutely murder his name. <laughs> and 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 El Armadev, oh, yes, I can't I even say. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, even yeah. try. I think he's <laughs> at, he's at Sheffield going, United yeah. now. He's yeah. at Sheffield United now, yeah. isn't he? In real life, yeah. but he was someone yeah, who really I would sign. Well. He was someone really I would well. sign every start every summer because you could get him for cheap, and he developed into such a good centre back. So I'm going to have to find a new a new a new AA. Let's say I'm going to have to find someone new. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy looking at Victor Nelson from Galatasaray. He's a 23 year old oh, yes. Danish centre half, ball playing oh. centre half. So. He's he looks like he's going to cost me about eleven million or so because I've obviously got that that Villa save going on at the minute. So <laughs> my fingers hovering over the mouse, going, "Do I click? Do I click?" You know, I'm just oh, maybe twenty three. He looks like he's got a lot to of time to develop, and of course we've got Kerr Smith as well sat in the backup yeah. uh, in reserve. So again, he does uh, apparently become quite a decent player going forward as well. So I guess ultimately, then Dan, big question on FM. Where is it realistic for Villa to expect to finish? Is it going to be top 10? Is it Europe? Or is it like me, just trying to stay in the division still? <laughs> oh, you've, got to be, you've got to be looking for top 10. You've got to be looking for a sturdy first season. Try and, try and have a couple of cup runs. Or maybe even, yeah. even just one cup run would, would be nice. Villa, Villa fans in real life are just desperate to win something because we haven't won anything since <laughs> 1996. So it, football manager is probably the only place where I'm going to see Villa lift a trophy. So I'd say t- top 10, <laughs> maybe a Carabao Cup in there as well. That that would be nice. But I, th- I don't think you'll be pushing towards Europe with that squad in football manager in your first season. If you, if you are, then fair play. Mm, absolutely. Well, I was going to say, if we'd record this last week, if you were, get your CVs in. But of course, we don't need that now. Unai's here. He's going to take us forward. Dan, Absolute pleasure to have you in. Do come back and let us know how you got on with Villa. I will at some point because let's be honest, you will. You'll you'll slip. You'll have a go the same as we all will. <laughs> um, but as I say, a pleasure to chat to you, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Anytime, loved it. 
Hello, it's Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen here, otherwise known as The Offside Rule. We have a very special show. It's been 10 years of The Offside Rule. If you've been enjoying it over the last decade, you can get some extra insight. Yes, we have a really good chat about how the industry has changed in the 10 years and chat as well about some of the highs of recording a podcast as an only female trio in the football world and some of the lows as well. So join us for fun. We're also joined by Harriet Drudge and Laura Williamson from The Athletic. So check it out. That's The Offside Rule. Struggling to understand the differences between a law block and a Brazilian box? Confused as to whether you should be forcing the opposition in or outside? Or just getting frustrated as to why your £30 million starting striker can't hit a barn door? Well, worry no more as RDF Tactics is here to assist you with the issues that affect your team. RDF, this is your jam, right? Oh, my bread and butter. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think this is the the part of the show that people are getting involved with, okay? Now, before we get into the Tactics Garage, the doors are sort of cranking open as we speak now, um, we actually got a lovely tweet praising this section, by the way, from... Oh, uh, did we? from a listener called at Metally, Metally Muse. I hope I pronounced that right. They've wrote <laughs> straight to you as well, by the way. Obviously, uh, they want at RDF Tactics. Really enjoyed your Tactics Garage this week, bro. Hearing you talk about how the player roles move gave me real food for thought and made me think about how they would interact with others around them. Was good to hear these little bits that aren't listed in a player description. That's the aim. That is the aim and that's the purpose for these sort of tactical garages for you guys. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Now, of course, as we say, we do put a call to arms uh, for people to send their tactics in to yes. be evaluated by RDF, to be tweaked. This, again, has come in via Twitter from at uh, Rush, who has said, this is my current try at a defensive counter-attacking formation. I love it already. For Middlesbrough. <laughs> Now, that's a club vision as well, by the way, that defensive counter-attacking football. I'm expected to fight bravely against relegation. He's in the third season in the Premier League. He's trying to buy young, develop and grow together. But he says it's very hit and miss and concedes too many and often gets very little chances. Now, RDF, for the listeners at home, can you describe to us what you can see on the screen in terms of how this tactic is set up? Player rules, instructions, etc. Let's whip this up. So on my screen right now, we've currently got a goalkeeper, a back four. It's a 4 3 3 with a custom fluid counter-attack. So I believe he's got the counter-attacking preset and just tweaked it slightly, which I recommend, especially if you're new to tactics, if you're new to football manager, I recommend you use that. The presets are very good and you can just tweak it. But in the back four, he's got two wing backs and two centre backs. In DLP or in defensive midfield, he's got a DLP. In midfield, he's got a central midfielder, box to box, two wingers, one being inverted, winger, the other's being an inside forward, and a DLF up top. He's regrouping. He's got lower land of engagement and a lower defensive line. I know you'll be happy to hear that, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about that low line. Give me the low line. One quick thing before we uh, we get further, though, just a, a little bit of uh, clarity, of course, for, for listeners or, or people who are brand new. Yeah. Um, with regard to, to preset dropdown, so you mentioned there about this fluid counter-attack. Oh, yes. Um, where, where do you find that on the uh, on the tactical style screen? 
So if you just load or start a new save and it should ask you to go to your tactics screen anyway, because that's mm-hmm. one of the first things that the game will ask you to do. And then it will come up with a tactic creating. Or if you're already in that tactic screen and you go to the tactic screen, you can always press the add. There's a little additional add button just where it says tactics. You can't miss it really. And then it will give you the option to create a new tactic. And then slightly on the left-hand side, it will ask you to choose a tactical style. And this is where you can choose from controlled possession to Gegenpress, Cantonacho, Park the Bus. <laughs> You've got the option for you and you can play FM the way you like. Excellent. And that does, of course, come with a few presets. So if you are a tactical newbie or a bit like myself and a bit of a, uh, a tactical person who struggles, um, <laughs> can't even give myself an actual title. There is there is some preset stuff there. Um, with regards to roles as well, you mentioned a couple of roles, which again, maybe some of the listeners might not be familiar with. Um, a yes. sweeper keeper on defend and, and a DLF. So a sweeper keeper on defend, you've got a sweeper keeper. You can just imagine your high defensive line and you kind of want your sweeper because your defenders might not be able to get there. So you've got your sweeper keeper and a sweeper keeper will have three different duties and there will be defense, there will be support and there will be attack. Obviously with attack, you're adding more risk to your goalkeeper, especially in possession. Support is kind of the middle road and then you've got defend and the DLF for me is just a deep lying forward. And with this guy's issues, he's conceding a lot and he's not scoring enough. And I'm looking at his tactics at the moment and the first thing that I noticed on the defensive side, he's got two wingbacks. Now, wingbacks are roll, and naturally a wingback is looking to get further ahead. And that is one role that I'll be looking to change because maybe the wingbacks are getting too far ahead, leaving gaps and leaving your two centre-backs exposed. So the wingbacks I'll possibly change to full-backs. And then again, in midfield, he's trying to operate in a um, low block. So you kind of want to keep your midfield lines tight. You want some midfield structure. You want structure in the midfield. The three roles that he's chosen is a deep line playmaker, a box to box and a central midfielder who is attacking. For me, there's hardly anybody there providing any sort of structure. The DLP, though he's on defend, he's mainly a creative player. So he's still thinking creativity first. You've got your box to box midfielder who's going to be leaving his position to roam around. And then he's got his central midfielder on attack who, again, he's going to be leaving his positions a lot. So for the central midfielder on attack, I'll probably remove that as well from attack and possibly I'll just leave the deep line playmaker on defend, but I'll possibly change central midfielder on attack just so your midfield is a little bit sturdy, a little bit sturdy. Yeah, I think a bit, a bit more defensive solidity in there, isn't it? Obviously, yeah. that box-to-box midfield is going to get up and down and if you're just leaving the DLP on their own, then that's going to be a bit of a, exactly. bit of a concern. Um, you were saying there about wing-backs potentially being a little bit too attacking. I can see on the left, on the right-hand side, sorry, down here, yeah. uh, it looks like his right wing-back is on attack, but his left wing-back is on automatic. Now, I've dabbled with automatic before. Can yeah. you explain to me what happens if I just leave it on automatic? Like, Is that just the, the computer just lets the... Uh, well, that's all right. you, you, you try and go, go for it because so, I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so most players, like an inside forward, will have different duties. So there's a supportive duty and there's, a, there's an attacking duty. With the wing back on automatic, they kind of go with your team mentality. So you've got your team mentality as well and players have a separate mentality. So for an example, now, if I leave my wing backs on automatic and I change my team uh, mentality to defensive, now that wing back will also be defensive and vice versa. Now, if I change my team mentality to attacking, that wing back on automatic is now a wing back on attack. In Football Manager, they, they colour code it so it's easier for you to understand. So if it's attacking, they will turn green. The little duty will turn green. If they're 
more balanced, like a positive uh, mentality, balanced mentality or cautious mentality, then it will be light blue. Or if it's defensive, then it will turn red. So you will know the automatic colour will change on the player role. Mm, okay, so that's interesting in terms of, of roles then. So yeah. we're saying here about defensively, okay, we can tweak the defensive line so we know what we're going to do there to in order yeah. to stop conceding goals. But chance creation, now again, this is something that I struggle with as well, to be honest. I can just about get the defence set up, but creating not just number of chances, but quality of chances as well. Like what, yeah. what is our listener missing here? And what can you obviously offer as, a, as advice to people in the situation? He's got no outlet. For me, he's defending deep. He's regrouping. So you've got to kind of picture this in your head. He's playing in a 4-3-3 and he's dropping deep. So everybody is coming back. They're coming back. They're all dropping deep to help the team defend. Now it's your time to counter attack and get the ball forward. You don't really have that outlet. If you need to pump the ball forward, because you're not necessarily going to play out from the back all fancy tiki-taki style, you're going to try sometimes kick the ball long because you want to go on the counter-attack. Now, he's got a DLF up top, deep line forward, who will hold up the ball, but at the same time, he's not really an outlet. He's going to drop deep and a DLF, he wants to link up play. He wants to get the ball out on the flanks. He wants runners off him. And this isn't really the system for that. If you want to sit deep and you want to counter-attack, quickly then you would want an outlet so for me I would possibly change the deep line forward you've got a few options you've got an advance forward a pressing forward on attack or a target forward on attack and all of those are focal points for your attack so advance forward you're aiming down the channels and you're trying to get your advance forward to basically attack those channels stretch the opponent's defense a target forward most of us know what a target forward is if you don't know your vocal point and attack now if you're down the flanks you're aiming for your target man your goalkeeper possibly aiming for your target man and then you just have your pressing forward who's kind of a a harder working version of your advance forward. He's still trying to run those channels, but his main objective is to close down those defenders and cause havoc. Mm, interesting. Okay, well, that's to, to be honest, that makes a lot of sense uh, to me anyway. Andy at Wakey Rush, let us know if that helps after a few games of tweaking and do, of course, get back in touch with us and see if that helps. If you need to bring your team to the Tactics Garage, tweet us with a screenshot and more importantly, Tell us what's wrong with it like Andy did. You can tweet it to myself at Tony Jameson, but it's probably better if you tweet it to Aaron at RDF Tactics. It's time for your letters. And to help us do that, we have got producer Steve. Hello, producer Steve. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. It doesn't feel like a week since we've done this already. Wow, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it, Tony? <laughs> it does. It does indeed. And this week, a lot of us have tentatively been dipping our toes into FM23. And I was wondering, how long, on average, do you spend setting up a new save? Now, at the Bendrews on Twitter, he's responded with two to three hours easily on each new save, going through things such as staff, Sacking and, and hiring, staff responsibilities, <laughs> tactics, set pieces and takers, not just leaving it to chance, squad assessment, and he's got in brackets, the planner now helps. If you've not seen the planner on FM23, go and have a look at the planner. Shortlisting, then transfer listing, then bidding on players slash free agents, <laughs> and then arranging friendlies. That seems quite methodical. RDF. The next tweet, we have Vinny Duman at Grown Vinnis. He responded, hours i need to have everything set in place perfectly training scouting tactic set pieces notes on every player in the team 
first game of an iteration. I also create quite a few custom views, one for match selection, one for tutoring, and one for set pieces. He he loves the game. <laughs> My lord. Daniel at underscore Thornado with another underscore tweets. You mean there's a wider game beyond day one of the transfer window? It's a good question. It's a very good question, Daniel, to be honest. Um, part of this, I mean, this, this shows the depth that people go into or not in this game <laughs> or not of course yeah yeah i mean it's it, it's it's you know one six of one half a dozen the other really isn't it what about yourself sort of in terms of average setup rdf i'm, I'm gonna presume you're quite hardcore i'm not i'm not i mean fm23 there's a lot of new things and now i'm actually the great thing about football manager is you never quite fully complete the game and there's many different ways of playing the game many different ways of approaching it and I've always been one to let my staff handle that let my staff handle that let my staff handle that but this FM 23 I've had this feeling let me just be a proper manager let me be a suit manager and I've started to do everything the game takes a long time it does to start up so I'll say the average for me now I would say around an hour and a half and that's mainly because that's not that a very long time but that's mainly because I've been playing the game for a very long time I kind of know where things are so I can manoeuvre in between screens quickly. So I will say an hour and a half for myself. Mm, hour and a half, hour and a half. Steve, any, any advance on an hour and a half? Or? Definitely more than that, but quite sporadically, I would say. Now, as listeners who listen to previous seasons may, may or may not remember or care, I sort of came back into the FM fold for FM21, FM22. And I remember on FM22 in particular, set, sitting down, having the look in my local pub, looking at the team, setting everything out. So may have slightly lost track of the time for various reasons during that <laughs> bit. Uh, <laughs> um, but what I would say as well is that as we did various episodes of last season and as we've done the ones this season so far, certain things I picked up on the way. So I started with a tactic. I looked at like, these are my players to build around. These are the players I could possibly sell because the, the, the budget wasn't great from a transfer point of view and the wage was quite high. And... The best tool, I, a bit of advice I remember very early on um, in one of the shows you can go back down the feed to find uh, is about delegation. You remember that? Get You get mm. that first or second screen and that thing of like, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I don't care about that, <laughs> etc. And actually over the, over the sort of FM22 cycle that we've been on, on now, I have sort of bit by bit actually done more and more. Yeah. So if you're in a situation where you're like, I don't care about that or, or that or that, etc. Oh, I am interested in that. I'll do that. You know, it is definitely worth... Spending a bit of time, yeah. but once the instinct comes in to sort of, and this is basically what I felt. I did a bit of time on some things, then the instinct. I just wanted to play some games. Yeah. Then I found out. Oh, I definitely need to work on my set pieces, or I definitely need to, you know, change the formation or whatever. Training, for example, is something that took me a long time to get into. So I'll be like, why on earth do my players keep on missing loads of chances? Started playing with the training a bit more. Realised the importance of chance conversion. So in a very long-winded way sporadically through the FM cycle, really, with a couple of hours on top of the beginning as well, which points to everyone doing it differently. Yeah, I think I'm sort of probably between yourselves, to be honest. Like, I I feel like I go quite in-depth into it in terms of, yeah. like, I spend a lot of time going through my, my squads. I spend a lot of time, well, you wouldn't think going, I spend a lot of time looking at my tactic. Um, <laughs> I, I don't spend enough time looking at training, and I probably don't spend enough time looking at set pieces. I yeah. scout players rather than than using the, <laughs> the search filters. So I, I play with what they call attribute masking on. Because I play a predominantly lower league, so I in my head I have this air of realism about it that I yeah. wouldn't know all these players on a local level. So I have to sort of like 
try and get my scouts to go and find people. And, and obviously now with the, with the squad planner and the, the recruitment focus that's in the new game, that adds another element of, of planning. And, and I think I'm going to really, really enjoy doing that going forward. So so that's where I am, to be honest. So I'm saying, yeah, a good few hours. And then once the first match kicks off, I then look at myself and go, I think, I think I've done it all wrong. And then I just wait for about another few weeks before, uh, before the, the bad results start coming in. And then I panic. <laughs> What I will say is, though, for those who are new, especially as well, if you are or you're thinking of just delegating your responsibilities, I will still, still recommend you just to take about 15 to 20 minutes to have a look around staff because you will want to have the right staff doing those jobs for you. So, for example, if you have in your assistant manager handle your press conferences, you want to make sure that your assistant manager has kind of a friendly media style. So what you can do is just simply select your assistant manager Go to the uh, overview information and their media handling style will be there for you to see. And if it's something that you're not, if you don't like, if it doesn't kind of align with your way of thinking, then you can kind of start looking for a new assistant manager or somebody else can do your press conferences. So though you don't want to spend time handling your staff and stuff, just make sure you do have the correct staff doing the jobs that you want. Do you know, on that, Aaron, as well, actually, you reminded me that that is the area where staffing is the one that I I don't know if, if it's the same for you guys and maybe anyone listening but yeah. staffing is the one that I really go for because it's that sort of thing of like well I've got these players here if your budget is fixed you can't necessarily buy players or you've got nothing coming exactly. through the youth academy what you can do is obviously with the players you've got your staff is like a is almost like the sort of rising tide that lifts all the boats in a way yeah plus you can get the little buzz of signing people. You get a little bit of the sort of like signing player buzz outside mm-hmm. of transfer windows. You know, you try and raise yeah, rivals yeah. or like for promising coaches. So that's one that I spent a lot of time on early doors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely do not just hire former championship manager legends as my background. <laughs> Absolutely not. I haven't formally just put Kim Kalstrom as my head of squad recruitment, just because he's Kim Kalstrom. Um, also as well, what, what I would say was, just before we wrap the show up, is that if you are brand new and this is the first time you're into FM23, there is also hints and tips littered throughout the game as well. There's things like tactics introductions, there's squad dynamic introduction, there's the planner introduction, there's the data hub introduction. If you're brand new and you're feeling a little bit overawed, do read those through because they're super helpful and they will, of course, make your experience that little bit more enjoyable. Now, that, I believe, is the letters section. If you want to send us any more, please do feel free to keep them coming in. Email ianmackintosh at imackintosh at theathletic.com. Plus, of course, if it's short, you can tweet us direct. As we said, I'm Tony Jameson and RDF is RDF Tactics. And that was the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Your guests today were Dan Bardell from The Athletic and Nick Madden from Sports Interactive. Your co-host was RDF Tactics. Your producer was Steve Hankey. And I am Tony Jameson. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. The Athletic.